Welcome to Out With Jimmy, the podcast where members of the LGBTQ plus community share their coming out stories with you to help you know that whether you're in the closet or out, you are not alone. And I ask you if you haven't uh, downloaded us and uh, hit subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One, uh, Apple Podcast, do so right now and give us a nice review and as many stars as you possibly can. This week's special guest on Out With Jimmy is... Karen Kendra Holmes. <laughs> and I am with the federal government. It's going to be 20 years come June 4th. Also a retired soldier with the Maryland Defense Force, which supported the Maryland National Guards. And I am presently with the United States Veterans Reserve Corps as a first sergeant. And I go by uh, pronouns of she, her, and hers. Well, Karen, it's great to see you. Uh, we talked to you before. You're the first time we've had a guest come back. And I think you sharing your story um, was just amazing. Um, you know, um, your TED Talk, I watched your TED Talk, inspirational. Uh, hopefully, uh, a lot of members of the trans community and the straight community, gay, I uh, saw that. And we're able to have a better understanding what you and, and so many folks have gone through. So thank you very much, Karen. Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's so exciting to be doing something that I can give back to the community. Um, and it's really strange because before, like after I transitioned, I was still very much involved with the Red Cross, CERT, um, RSVP, which is Retired Seniors Volunteer Program. And I said, wait a minute, I don't have anything that I'm really doing with the transgender community. And I said, I got to definitely change this because this is my life. So um, now I'm so much involved with doing things uh, in the community as an advocate and also supporting and uh, trying to keep the community safe, especially the girls that have been murdered, um, assaulted, or basically not being respected in the law enforcement agency. We know, Karen, so many people, as you know, uh, they heard that once that uh, gays and all of the rest of us, they put us under one umbrella, um, mm -hmm. got the right to get married. And then the Supreme Court last year uh, made the ruling that we could be fired for being gay, lesbian, trans, um, bisexual, um, that everything was hunky-dory in our lives, that everything was normal and safe like everybody else. But that's not the truth. And as you know, uh, so many um, women, uh, trans women of color, are in danger and have right. been killed in not only our community, but around the world. Hey, could you talk about that and, and some of the things that they go through? Oh, wow. Um, well, like last year for Transgender Day of Remembrance, we had 34 women from around the United States that were murdered uh, during that year time. Uh, the year before, it was 26, and what a jump it went to for 2020. And um, it's basically, you know, people who just feel threatened by who we are, or it could be uh, relations, people that are in a relation with that trans person, and all of a sudden, their friends might find out, and next thing you know, they're getting all upset, and then they uh, end up killing us. Um, it could be anything. I mean, you know, walking down the street, minding our own business. Um, in Prince George's County, um, there were two girls that were murdered um, in Fairmont Heights area uh, within a couple of weeks of each other. And um, I'm right now working with Prince George's County Police on a, trying to help uh, the girls in that Red District area on the borderline of Eastern Avenue 
um, get into a program and get off the streets. Well, let me ask you about that, uh, uh -huh. being on the streets. Is that something um, that happens a lot in the trans community? That as far they, as ending up on the streets, um, the reason why, and, and, and it's, I hope your listeners really hear and understand this is not the fact that they want to, they, it's a need because of the fact that they've lost their homes, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their family. They need food on their table. They need a place to lay their heads at. And that's what brings them out to the street to work. So, um, so but being themselves, Openly to everybody in their lives, cause people to throw them, cast them out of their families, lose their jobs, lose mm -hmm. their homes. So now they're sadly having to sell themselves on the street to survive. Exactly. And, you know, um, it's sad, but we, we need to try to figure out ways of getting them off, helping them get off the streets into programs that will help them to sustain themselves. Like when the two girls that were murdered in Prince George's County, the third district commander contacted me and asked me, if I wanted to do something to help get the girls off the streets. And I said, absolutely, sign me up, you know? And so what I was doing for a while until COVID hit, I was actually riding with a police officer on a ride along. And when we saw some of the girls on Eastern Avenue, they would pull over, I would get out of the cruiser, go up and talk to them and say, hey, how you doing? You know, just checking on your welfare. Um, basically, I wanna see if there's anything we can do to, to help you get off the streets. And didn't I also let them know you're safe? I am also transgender. And the fact that you see these police cars from Prince George's County riding up and down Eastern Avenue, all they're doing is trying to make sure you stay safe. Um, real quick is what was happening was Prince George's County was pushing the girls over across the street into DC. DC was pushing them back over. So the commander said, look, I don't wanna play this ping pong game back yeah. and forth. Let's see what we can do to get the girls off the streets. And I said, sign me up. Karen, when you talk to these women uh -huh. and having a better understanding than most law for, uh, enforcement uh, officers, what are, how do they handle uh, their end of the conversations back to you? That's funny that you mentioned that because while, you know, sometimes we may only see one or two girls. Sometimes it's been as many as eight. Um, but that gives me time to talk to the officer that I'm riding with. And it's actually a special unit that this has been put together uh, by their sergeant, who also happens to be in the LGBT community. Karen, so, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but gosh, you just made such a good point because I think most everybody listening is uh -huh. thinking about what you can teach and what knowledge that you can give to the girls. But just important, <laughs> if not more importantly, is to the other officers. Right, and, and uh, it's so funny because they're like, wow, you do an awful lot. And, you know, because I'm, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not what you see on Jerry Springer show. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm actually trying to do something that's productive to not only to the community itself, but also to my own community. And, um, you know, I, they, they're like really understanding like, wow, you know, we do a lot more than what you think you know, out there. So I'm really educating the police officer as well um, out there. And, and they've got a lot of respect for me. A uh, few of them I've actually ridden with more than, you know, three times. Um, and they're actually telling me stuff like, well, remember the last time you were out riding with me? And I'm going, yeah. Well, one of the other girls was signaling one of the girls that you were talking to to hurry, hurry, come on, because her pimp was in the area. And mm -hmm. I was like, 
wow, they have pimps. I didn't know that. <laughs> and so, and then the same week uh, that I was riding with this officer, the, um, they had two shootings in the area. So I was like, oh my God. So that Sunday I, I talked to my church, like doing prayer and requests and stuff. And I said, keep me in prayer that, you know, that I will raise up enough money for myself to be able to get my own bulletproof vest because I don't know what's going to be out there for me, you know? And next thing I know, that Sunday right after church, uh, one of the members came up to me and gave me $50, which I didn't know until I got home. And then I get a phone call the next day from our LGBT uh, committee at church. And they said, we want to donate money for you to get a vest. And they were going to do up to $500. And I actually got one for $300 at the level I wanted. So uh, that's, a, you know, what's, it's so <laughs> important that we hear stories like that here on Out With Jimmy, because so many times people will come on and they'll almost apologize for their families to be welcoming their work, uh, um, their people at their job sites be welcoming and their life to be happy and good. And a story like that at their church, because on the other side, we hear the opposite. Their families that throw them out, mm -hmm. their church turn their back on them. But there are churches out there who are doing good and there are families that are welcoming and loving. And to hear that story, how beautiful is that, that you go to a church that thought so much of you and cared so much about members of our community that they raised money and got you a, <laughs> a flak jacket, a bulletproof vest. That's pretty, pretty special. Right, right. And, and I have to say one thing for my church. Um, they're, they're a welcoming church, but most of the, the parishioners that go there are straight people. Um, there's maybe a handful of us i'm the only trans person that's at the church and then there might be a handful of uh lgbt other members there but mostly you know they all love us and they're always checking up on me rockville united church is awesome i just you know <laughs> if you're in rockville area come see us i mean they're at events that are promoting um openness and st stuff like that and they're actually doing something um tonight Oh no, on the 28th, um, which they actually featured me on one of the pictures for it, um, receiving an award from AARP for my service in the community and stuff like that. So it was, it's nice to be loved by a church that says, hey, we haven't seen you. Where you been? Are you okay? You know, they're always receptive and open to, to what I'm doing in the community and what they're going to do to help me help the girls out on the street. Karen, when you transitioned, how long has it been now? Oh, wow. It's been 10 years. 10 years. I actually, I actually transitioned October 1st of 2010. So, and I'm actually coming up on my fifth year anniversary for my SRS, which is April 8th. Um, and I'm just so excited. I'm hoping that, I mean, COVID's really messed things up, but I'm actually hoping to have a, at least a five-year anniversary at a restaurant, you know, with a small group of people. Well, congratulations. And when the world's all better, I would like to be one of those people that comes, uh, celebrates Absolutely. you and your journey. I love that. <laughs> um, so with that, Karen, you had to introduce everybody to your new self. Mm -hmm. And with that, everywhere you go, you have to have that same conversation over and over and over. Did you notice that most people were positive or did they have questions? Uh, they were very positive. I mean, here's the th the thing 
And that's why I try to tell other transgender people, if you're seriously thinking about transitioning, build yourself a platform so when you say what I said to my other organizations that I volunteer with, Red Cross, CERT, RSVP, I said, I got something to tell you. And they gave me this really strange look like, what are you gonna tell me? And I said, I'm transgender. And they all went like this. I thought you were gonna leave the organization. <laughs> I was like, Aww. wow, you know, that shows that I'm what I'm bringing to the organization. They value more than the fact that I'm transgender, you know, yeah. they didn't really care. Well, you, you've received more awards than uh, Meryl Streep. <laughs> uh, and I know something that you've been asked to do. You already did a TED Talk, but they've reached back out to you, right? Yeah, they reached back out to me. Um, the sad thing about it, um, it's going to get postponed. It was going to be uh, April 8th, and it was going to be, the title of it was going to be, Treat Others As You Wish To Be Treated. And so um, I can tell you mine, because I think since it's over, I'm going to just go ahead and briefly tell you. And it's supposed to be a one-minute speech. What they were going to do is get 20 people who actually did TEDx talks for Ashbury Park and then do these one-minute speeches. And apparently, I don't know why, a lot of them had trouble <laughs> doing a one-minute speech. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think of the uh, the group where you get on and do talks within your group and you're supposed to do a certain time. And so mine was like a little less than a minute. I think it was like 50 seconds. But the way I started it was treat others as you wish to be treated. It's not just a cliche. It's the golden rule in life. I have feelings, a mind, and a heart who serves and cares for others. I am a human being and wish to be treated as one like you would treat your mother, father, children, siblings, and friends. Just like you treat them with respect, I too want to be treated with respect. The only difference between them and me, I am tra I'm a transgender woman who works for the federal government now for 20 years, a military veteran who was given the honor of Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States in 2012. So please treat me as you would like to be treated. It's the golden rule and the right thing to do. That was what mine was going to be. <laughs> what more could you say? I mean, yeah. Karen, do you think that that has been that rule, that golden rule that we're taught at such a young age is one of the reasons for your success because you do follow that rule? I do. And the thing is, people know my heart. They know what I do out in the community. Um, and a lot of my volunteer service work, you know, getting the Willis Green Community Service Award, um, other like AARP, um, and other things that I do as, as far as getting awards. And for me then to say, hey, this is who I am deep down inside. Hey, my mom wrote a little story to one of her best friends. And what it was, was I'm like a book. And just because the cover of the book changed from who I used to be as Tony to now as Karen, Inside that book, the story still remains the same. I haven't changed. Um, the only difference is I always tell people now when I go speak at events and stuff, I've got more awards than Tony does. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, you know, the thing is, Tony was a springboard to who I am today, and nothing's changed. I'm still the same person, but just 200% happier. You know, when I think of you, Karen, I think a smile, that big smile, 
you know, <laughs> you're always smiling and you always seem in a good mood. And I believe that positivity is uh, infectious. When you're around someone who's in a good mood, who's uh, being positive, you tend to start being that way too. Uh, well, I was going to tell you real quick on that note, you know, being infection. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work and I always feel like I want to infect other people that way. You know, I'm like this virus that's running through my veins called volunteer. And what I want to do is infect other people who come in contact with me, not to put shame on them, to encourage them to say, hey, volunteer too. It only takes a little bit of your time and you never know whose life you may be changing out there. Well, you think about what you've done, um, not only a twofold, as we mentioned before, you're talking to the young ladies on the street who really by no fault of their own are having to do things that, you know, would be a nightmare to most people just to survive. Mm -hmm. And not only are you helping them, but you're helping officers who are going to come in contact with them and maybe have a better understanding of what led them to where they are now. And um, with that, Karen, what do you do when you have somebody who may be disrespectful to you? Or uh, and maybe it hasn't happened when they find out you're trans, they may um, make a snide comment or they're rude. Maybe, maybe not even a, of ignorance, but just of because they don't know what to do. Right. Per se. Um, I've only had in the 10 years, I've only had two, maybe three cases where somebody has been kind of rude and nasty. One of them actually was one of my neighbors, direct neighbor on the other side of me. And I'm like, how and I talked to her, I said, how come sometimes you don't say nothing to me? And she goes, I do. And I'm like, no, nah, not like you do the neighbor on the other side of me. And she goes, well, to tell you the truth, you're bad, bad influence. And I'm like saying to myself, a the volunteer of the year, the <laughs> officer of the year, TED Talk. All I'm right, like, yeah. A bad influence on who? I said, haven't she seen the big giant Red Cross vehicle out front of my house or me in uniform and stuff like this? And how can you sit there and say I'm a bad influence? And I said, and she said it's basically because I was trans. And I'm like, well, what if one of your children, and she just went ballistic. She was like, don't ever talk about my kids and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, one, I never interacted with her kids. It was always say, you know, hi to her and, you know, bye and that's it, you know. Um, but I never interacted with her kids. And she, I think because one of her boys, which my mother told me, was outside twirling around in, in a dress that mm. she's blaming me for it. And I'm like, no, mm. no, no, no. Don't you know you catch the gayness from your neighbors? <laughs> I got to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the other time was from another girl who I thought was a really good friend. Um, and mm. that was a nightmare. And then there was one uh, lady at work who was basically telling people at work, you know, that I was trans. And I'm like, wait a minute. Work is supposed to be a safe place, you know, where I can do my job. It's not your decision to tell a coworker that I'm trans. It's my decision. And I only do that when I feel it's safe and I, and I know who they are. Well, I ended up having to pull that person into a meeting with an arbitrator and got it all cleared and spaced out. And I told her, I said, you know, you could be telling somebody at work who really hates trans people and that my life is a jeopardy now. 
here, I at least will kind of screen people out a little bit before I even tell them that I'm trans. Some of them say, oh, wow, I didn't know that, you know? <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it goes back to them. It goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. That members of the trans community, especially women of color, you know better than anybody, their lives are in danger. And I really think, uh, I think it was uh, Sheila Alexander Reed from the mayor's um, LGBTQ mm -hmm. affairs office, you know, she talked about that and saying that, you know, we're all, you know, you're gay, you're lesbian, you're, you're more safe. But somebody who's now lost everything in their lives and are on the street susceptible to pimps, I mean, for crying out loud. Right. You just never know, and sadly, in, our, in, in this world, what can happen. And that's, you're right, putting your, your life in danger. It's one thing I, I am doing also, which hopefully will get revved back up this year. Last January, I went through a program with uh, Department of Justice Community Relations Services, where myself and about 15 other transgender people were there at this training, along with about 10 other law enforcement officers from around the country, going through this training program. And what we're gonna be doing is, I will be assigned to a, another officer that went through this training program. We will go and visit other law enforcement agencies and try to bridge that gap between the transgender community and law enforcement. So. I'm very excited to be able to get that going again. Um, COVID put a halt on that. Um, but even it was so funny because that day, even before lunchtime break, I had a couple of officers come up to me and go, hey, we got, you know, we want you to come and be a part of our thing that we're going to be doing in May or something like, you know, and I'm like, wow, the program class isn't even over yet. And I'm already being asked to, you know, go out with people, you know, which is, I felt honored, but uh, you know it's kind of scary too because I I look at this as a huge huge step to be able to go out there and talk to other law enforcement agencies around the country and deep in the South who really may hate the, our guts, you know. Mm -hmm. so. Well, you know I I believe that most people, and I may be Pollyanna, most people are good people, mm -hmm. and that we all have the same hopes, dreams, desires. Uh, and, and, um, but then, you know, I guess I could be wrong sometimes, but I choose to believe that most people are good, but they, maybe they haven't been around someone gay. They haven't been around a lesbian. They haven't been around somebody, um, who's a member of the trans community, but once they meet them and they know, Oh, I like them. Yeah. yeah I think that helps, you know, exactly. probably, um, not only with your job with the government, but all the uh, places that you volunteer. Um, Karen, you have a radio show of your own. How did that start? And tell us about it. Um, actually, yeah, I was a host on Inside Out Radio, and I'm sorry, a guest, and then went it went from a guest a couple of times to, hey, would you like to be one of the hosts on the show? And I'm like, sure, that'd be great. You know, um, I'm a little nervous, but you know, the first time I did it, I had one of our co-hosts with me, and it went really good. I, I had her there just basically to hold my hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, everything's been great. Um, we haven't been in the studio. Of course, we're doing things by Skype. Um, but I think, you know, when we have that interconnection view with each other, like we're doing here, even though we're social distancing, it still feels like we're right here in the same room together. Yeah. And I love that. So I'm adjust, I've made a big adjustment to that. Um, even when I speak at 
events and conferences, I'm getting used to doing it on Zoom or in Teams and stuff like that. Um, because it does give that connection, but I'd rather be in person in front of live audience yeah. and stuff like that. I understand. Totally understand. <laughs> when you, when people find out that you're trans, that you're born Tony, mm -hmm. then you have surgery and so forth and so on. What, is there a most popular question that you're asked <laughs> by people? Or do they, well, or can you tell that they don't feel comfortable asking? Well, if it, well I, I open things up when I did the question and answer part of it, I go, hey, ask me anything. There isn't any question that hasn't been asked of me that, you know, um, I don't answer. Um, but the only way I, I look at it is the only way they're going to get to understand is to ask, you know, and, and not be afraid and, and truly get the, the, the truth, I basically say. Um, and they, the one big question is, why did you transition to a woman, but you still like women? Mm -hmm. And I tell them basically, a transgender person is who we are in our mind, heart, and spirit. And it has nothing to do with sexuality. It's just like anything else. Once you get to know somebody, you have feelings for them, and eventually you'll fall in love with them. It's no difference if it's you know a gay person or a lesbian person. That's how a relationship starts. Why can't you understand that? I said a five, six, and seven-year-old kid doesn't know anything about sexuality. All they know is I'm a boy, I'm a girl. And then all of a sudden it's like somebody flipped a switch <laughs> and the light comes on and they say, oh, I, now I get it. There you go. So that's um, what I, the analogy I use Well, No, um, and I hope you don't mind me this question. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't even like... Uh, you know, going to the doctor and the dentist uh, putting his finger in my mouth. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm just like, okay, we're uh, like, okay. <laughs> and I had a knee surgery done and I was like, oh my God, it hurts so bad. I can't imagine how painful that surgery must have been. Am I wrong? Um, no, actually, when I had the big surgery, um, I was on Percocet and Tylenol. Um, where, and I've heard actual girls say they were on morphine for a couple Oof. of days. And I'm like, yeah, my, you know, I wasn't, I was really, I weaned myself off of the Percocet probably in two weeks, um, which was great. And um, I think my surgeon, she did an awesome job. Her name is Dr. Rachel Bluebon Langler. She's now, she was, used to be at University of Maryland up in Baltimore Medical Center. Now she's at NYU University, so she's up there, and she does it by a robot now. So, um, yeah, she's just awesome. Mm. Her bedside manners is great. Um, How long have, were you sore for? How many – when did you stop hurting? I'd say probably like in about maybe four and a half to five weeks because I, I actually took off of work for six weeks uh, for medical reasons, and uh, that's what they recommend. So – what was it like the first time you looked in the mirror and you were able to get dressed up and put makeup <laughs> on? What was that like looking in the mirror for the first time? The very first time probably was when I, well, I mean, I started dressing way before I actually transitioned in, in 2010, but. I mean, to now your life, you are no more Tony. This is your life. Well, I looked at that as October 1st of 2010. 
you know, no more Tony. You know, my life actually changed then. I didn't have to worry about, you know, makeup, you know, making sure I wiped it all off before I went to work as Tony. I'm Karen now. I can, I'm 24 seven Karen. I can wear makeup all day long. I can't wait to get home and take my bra off. (laughs) (laughs) Then you know you're a real woman when you say that. You are now. (laughs) Um, That should be the name of your, if you ever have a show, that should be the name of your show or your book. 24-7 Karen. That is a great name. (laughs) Well, actually, my first one that I, I hope to put out, you know, once I start working on some things, I've been doing interviews interviews by tape recorder and eventually i want to get it transcribed into a book but my first one's going to be 40 years and wandering no more um but that's a good one for the next one is karen 24 24 you know that's great love it love it so back to your radio show and i probably cut Uh you off and i apologize so when is it on and where can we hear it you can hear it on it the name of the show is inside out uh radio collective and it's on WPFW 89.3 FM. We're also on the internet. You can actually go to WPFW.org. Um, and as soon as you bring up the website, just click on the thing. And it may start right away as far as listen um, live. You've so, done. And that's, oh, and it's on Tuesdays, every Tuesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Okay. Oh, 2 to 3. Now, Karen, you've done so much in your life. What is left for you to achieve? Well, you know, I'm doing, I write, I have my own column for Baltimore Outlaw newspaper and it's called Trans Lives. And what I've been doing is putting in stories about my life and things that I may go through um, in that article. So I do that every two weeks. There was a little dry spelling and that was partly because I got hacked <laughs> and I was like totally oh. ballistic trying to get things going with my computer. And then the editor, she had a heart attack. So now things are read back up. I've done a couple of articles so far this year for the new year. And if you go to um, Baltimore Out Loud newspaper, um, you just go down, hit on, um, uh, I want to say, um, you just have to search. For yeah, you, I'm sure we'll be able to find it. Yeah. Um, so you're writing column, you plan to write a book, um, you are such a busy person. I don't know how you get everything done. Um, you know, if we could go back to 10 years ago when you said goodbye to Tony uh-huh. and you, now you're Karen, what, when you would have to decide to go, you have to go to the bathroom. You're walking into the ladies room for the first time. Were you nervous? Were you um, apprehensive? No, actually, I was going into the ladies' bathroom before then because basically I passed. Um, what I mean? But the first but time you went ever? As, uh, the first time ever, or the first time since my no, the first time I, ever, the first time ever when you when you um, were out dressed as Karen, and uh-huh. you, the first time you went in. Um, I was a little nervous because I just wasn't sure if I passed or not, um, and if there was going to be any confrontation but there was never any that i had a lot of the women that i might have seen in the bathroom at the kit at the sink they're like oh i love your shoes you know or i like your hair (laughs) and i'm like yes i like that because i mean that's what i'm always doing myself is like when i see another woman i will compliment her and say hey i like your shoes i like your hair 
I like your makeup, you know, and, and that's the kind of response I get then. And, um, and I know things have totally changed from my appearance from 2010 to today. And it's even more exciting to hear those compliments like that from women and also men, you know, I get it a lot too. You're like, Hey darling. (laughs) The neat part is when I'm on the Metro train or getting ready to get on an elevator, guys will give up their seat for me on the train and, and let me go through the doors and elevators first. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I can get used to this. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Is there anything else that you're doing that you want to mention before we uh, wrap this up, Karen? Um, well, you know, I do the, um, with the United States Veterans Reserve Corps, we actually do right now, we've been doing since September food distribution over in Tacoma Park Elementary School, um, doing traffic for that. We actually, before we got involved with that group, um, it was like people are going through that line in about six hours. Um, Now we've actually gotten it down to two. Sometimes it's down as low as once we get things going um, within a couple hours, we're down to like 30 minutes, you know? So that's awesome. I'm really proud about the fact that, you know, we're doing that. Um, and actually, I got that this weekend to do. So, um, it, I, it's exciting. It's so funny because I just got asked about um, doing a meeting uh, tonight uh, for text to them uh, where you can text emergency situations to the police department and stuff like that. And I, And this is through a friend of mine. And I'm like, okay, why am I being asked to be a part of this? You know, um, I used to be one of his sales manager as Tony back in the day. Um, but I guess maybe he wants to really get my, you know, thoughts and opinion about, you know, something that he has a, a dear heart to. And I hope it, it springs off really good for him. Karen, uh, I, I know there may be somebody listening who mm-hmm. wants to transition, wants to go out for the first time as their real self. What advice would you give him? For that first time that first trip out i would say definitely go out with a veteran uh trans person and when i use that word veteran somebody like myself or somebody who's been out there who's seasoned who has your best interest at heart that will look out for you while you're out and about make you feel comfortable um and i think that's very important to you know give that tension because there's going to be some tension going out there because they're going to be like you know, nervous. Do I look good enough? Do I pass enough? You know, and that seasoned person is going to be able to help them and walk them through that, I feel. Um, But just take them to a place where they're going to feel really comfortable at, like Freddy's, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Freddy's is a great place. That was my first, actual first outing place to go to. That's a restaurant, for for those who don't know, that's a restaurant bar in in, uh, in, uh, Virginia. And yep. it is got a great weekend buffet, karaoke. It's a place that every, uh, whether you're gay, straight, or Jew, Gentile, you should uh, try Freddy's at least once. Absolutely. And it was so nice, the, the relationship that I had built with everybody there that worked there, including Freddie. I said, you know what? My coming out party is going to be there. And the first, uh, after I transitioned, it was like October 1st of 2010, but I actually had the the party 
coming out party on November 4th, I think it was, in 2010. And I felt that that was a really safe place for, you know, anybody that was straight, gay, or lesbian. Um, and nobody was hitting on my friends or anything. We just had a really great time. I had actually 49 people come to that, and we were all in the front uh, area. So we took the whole front. Oh, that's great. So it was awesome. Well, Karen, you're the best. Thank you for everything you do for all of our communities. Um, you've devoted your life to public service and for uh, everybody listening and everybody who knows you, we want to say thank you. Well, thank you, Jimmy, for having me on your show. Tell you what, just listening to Karen and Kendra Holmes' schedule makes me tired. <laughs> but we are so lucky to have somebody like this walking the face of the earth doing so much good. I want to thank Karen and I want to thank you for listening to Out With Jimmy. Plus, I want to thank uh, WTOP and Julia Ziegler. You'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them, so go ahead and do it.